Previously on The Pick. All right, so those are my picks today. Uh, but you know, you know, Kevin, what I've been thinking? Wait, hold it. Uh, n- no, no, I don't. Oh, thanks. Uh, I've been thinking uh, we, we make some pretty good picks on this show, but uh, I'm wondering, you know, we're 50-ish. Do, do people, you know, want to hear what two 50-year-old guys like? Well, studying the, uh, the audience and you know, de- demographics of the eight people that listen, I think they do. Yeah, possibly. But I'm, I'm always wondering, you know, do we reach to the younger demographic? And, you know, maybe I'd like to know what they like. Yeah, I think we're probably just in a, a, an amusement <laughs> to that to that generation. But I would be interested to know and and see if anything that we uh, we talk about resonates with them. Yeah, that would be interesting to know, wouldn't it? From Portland, Oregon, he's Kevin Toon. He's Jeff Payne. This is the Pit. Today on The Pick, we are going to get the word from some millennials and Gen Zers. What's the difference between those? Well, I've looked this up. A millennial is someone who was born uh, like uh, mid-80s to mid-90s or so. Okay. So they really became of age uh, at the beginning of the millennium. So the cutoff year is around 96, 97, maybe. And then after that is Gen Z. And when does that run for? Oh, that runs up until like the early 2010s. And then I, huh. I've, I've even seen people born after 2010 called Generation Alpha. This is on Wikipedia, by the way, the ultimate uh, reference source. Okay. So anyway. So, it's, so at some point down the road, Generation COVID will off, yes. obviously occupy some place on the spectrum. They will start being born around about November, I'd say. Okay, great. But yeah, so it's like, uh, we'll talk today some 18 to 25-year-olds and kind of get an idea of what they're listening to to see if we're on the right track or not of uh, if if our tastes at all mesh with anyone, with people younger than us, even though we're kind of skipping the whole wave of people that are between, which I guess are called Generation Y. Who knows? Okay. Uh, Why would you say on the right track? That that feels a little desperate. On the right track to 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 attract a younger audience, the I coveted see. eighteen to forty nine demographic. <laughs> Aha. Okay. All right. I knew you had a method here, but I I also just didn't want you to you know feel like you were obligated in some way either. I mean, uh, don't no. cheap don't cheapen the product. Is all so I guess you could call this a special episode of the pick. It's definitely I you know, special's good. Alt. It's sort of an alternate. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I mean, approach we're going to take uh, less of of what we think and more of what others think. Yeah. So uh, hopefully this this is uh, insightful uh, for both the participants and you and I. But first, I think we should dive into a couple of current events. What do you say to that? Yeah, that sounds great. So what are you watching? Well, you know the, the internet is full of delights these days. And have you seen this uh, boss bitch fight challenge that Zoe Bell put together? Yes, I have. And I have no idea who Zoe Bell is, but uh, it was actually really fun to watch that and try to guess who some of the participants were. Yeah. Uh, and then I was only able to come up with like two or three, but then was amazed at all the names in, in the credits. They're not, yeah, yeah, they're not wearing makeup. <laughs> so you can't tell. See, I wasn't going to say that because <laughs> but that, it's, that it's just, true. 
I know, but we see these that, actresses even when they're like just getting out of bed in a movie, they're made up, and so we, we don't normally see them that way. And I had the same reaction; I, I didn't recognize half of them until the credits. So, who did you recognize? Scarlett Johansson, Cameron Diaz. See, I didn't. Yeah, I, I saw Cameron Diaz, but yeah, um, I, I sent you a link. Did you see the one with uh, where it actually puts their names on the screen while they're on? No, no. I, yeah. It was actually more fun. It was actually more fun to do to just see if I could recognize the only two that I actually could. Well, three for sure were Rosie Perez, uh, Margot Robbie, and I think Zoe Saldana. And the only reason I say I think is because I saw later that she was in the credits, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, oh yeah, I, I I remember seeing her. But there were so many others. There was. Cameron Diaz, as you mentioned, Daryl Hannah is in that. I could. Oh wait, well take. she was the obvious one because they they did the uh, Tarantino movie up, and then she lowered her mask down. You could see it was her with yeah. the eye patch. Well, you say obvious. I was clueless. Did you recognize Halle Berry in that? No, I did not until I saw the version with the names on it. Um, but okay. for for those of you who don't know, Zoe Bell's a stunt woman. And she opens up the piece by saying she's bored with the pandemic and I can't play with my friends. And, she, and wait a sec, yes, I can. And then she goes up and she punches the camera. And basically then you cut away to all of these other actresses and stunt women being punched first and then coming back to the camera and punching back. And it's just a uh, about a 10-minute uh, long video because it goes through the credits and KT Tunstall comes on in the end to ask, oh, did I miss yes. something? And so it's, it's a really fun uh conglomeration of actresses and stunt women, including Julia Butters, the young girl from um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And we'll put a link to it on our website. You're selling it a little bit short, I think, because it's not just punching. I mean, some of these actresses and stunt women, they sell out. I mean, they what you see them do in response to the previous person's punch involves you know, flopping over couches, downstairs, into swimming pools. I mean, they... Yeah, and and, and uh, when you watch the version that I sent you with the names on it, you'll see that all those women that do the mating things are, are the stunt women. <laughs> They're all the stunt women who you've never heard of before. And they and some of them are actually cabled up. Yeah, no, it was, it was impressive. I also saw, in continuation of all the music artists, having to perform somewhere, some outlet, hmm. post Malone doing an hour and a half video of Nirvana covers. So what I really liked about this was it, it appeared that all four of the, the band members were in the same space. Two of them, I think, were wearing dresses, which was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. um, like grandma, like grandma dresses. Right, right. But it was it was fun to watch the rapport that was evident between the four of them because it looked like they were able to see each other, which is a little bit more of a authentic. Uh, interaction than you get when they're you know in in different locations and, and looking at each other through computer screens. I actually thought I mean, the one track I listened to uh, beginning to end was "Come as You Are," and uh, I thought he nailed it. I think he nails it too. And you know, I don't follow his music so much. Um, uh, he appeared in that movie uh, Spencer Confidential that we reviewed. Um, he really nails uh, the Cobain voice, I think, and definitely the guitar. He just rocked it. 
there's a cool story about how Dave Grohl was self-quarantining and trying to do some writing, and he kept getting texts from friends saying, hey, you got to check this out. And finally he did, and he was he said, I was amazed. I was really glad I finally stopped because they just it blew me away how great these guys were. Yeah, good stuff. And, and there's so much more out there, too, of these artists doing things on air. I mentioned last episode that, that Sophie Tucker, every single day now going on 60 Days, do a half-hour DJ session. In the meantime, theaters apparently are opening in some states. I haven't heard too much about box office returns yet, but uh, Disney, at least, has released revised release dates for movies. And some of them include uh, Mulan, which was supposed to come out in the spring. Now it's slated for July 24th. The New Mutants, another uh, X-Men show, now out August 28th. Black Widow, not till November 6th. Oh, wow. Yeah, got to wait a while for that one. Free Guy, that Brian Reynolds movie with Jodie Comer. That's December 11th. West Side Story, December 18th. So they're just really pushing everything away with, I think, like Mulan and like we talked about last week, uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet supposed to be in July. So I bet they're still crossing their fingers that that can still happen. Yeah, I wonder what that's going to look like. I wonder if maybe what they what you'll see is that these multiplexes, you know, you'll maybe only see these showing in the biggest possible uh, space that they have so that people can socially distance, but then you can still get as many people in there as possible. Right. I mean, like little theaters, maybe not so much like living room theaters here in Portland. It's just like little small rooms with maybe 20 seats, but I, I right. don't think so. And I just hope the the small independent theaters can survive this. I mean, I drove past a theater uh, earlier today and it said on the um, marquee Thursday, four to seven, Popcorn, poster, and ice cream drive up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of sad, actually. Yeah, the, the, that the, is the... that is sad. But you also know that they make more money on the popcorn than the movies. So it's maybe, true. <laughs> maybe they're doing and, all right. And it's selling, or else they wouldn't be doing it. The other uh, yeah. thing, keeping you know, in that same vein, the thing to keep an eye on is you're seeing stories pop up about the possible resurrection of the drive-in theater, which I think is something to keep an eye on. Too. Yeah, you're right. I've heard about that. They, they've been doing uh, somewhat well well in uh, Los Angeles and a few other places. I haven't heard anything in our area but um there's one great in idea. A, yeah there's one in a town uh outside of portland called newburg that i've read recently might be uh dusting off the uh the cobwebs and tr- making a run at it you just like to see the industry be able to weather this you know and not take such a take a take a hit that's potentially that that changes their changes the course of the of movies it's a huge concern from what i hear uh down in los angeles and when you when you read the uh, trades and so forth they're they're uh, terrified. <laughs> so before we get to our first guest, uh, we, we should note that we lost a couple of celebrities this month. Well, that voice you hear there is the great Little Richard. And... Look no further than the likes of Bob Dylan, Paul McCartney, or the Rolling Stones uh, for a credible reference on the greatness and I think the impact that Little Richard had on rock and roll. I mean, the popular narrative is that Elvis Presley is the king of rock and roll. He'll always probably have that moniker. But uh, artists like I just mentioned will tell you that the the true king of rock and roll is, is Little Richard. There's some really cool articles out there online right now you can read uh, about how big of an influence he was on the likes of Bob Dylan or Paul McCartney. 
Paul McCartney and Little Richard really had a great uh, relationship over the years. They actually toured together. Uh, the, the, the Beatles in their infancy actually opened some shows for Little Richard in uh, Hamburg, Germany. Paul McCartney to this day says that Little Richard taught him everything he knows. We also lost a Seinfeld veteran, which is uh, your wheelhouse, really, but uh, Jerry Stiller, <laughs> also the father, uh, the real father of Ben Stiller, but uh, in the Seinfeld series, the father of George Costanza passed away uh, this month. And I always remember when I think of him now is the blooper that is maybe one of the best bloopers ever when he is supposed to be having a scene with uh, Elaine, Julia Louise Dreyfus in a jailhouse uh, <laughs> when he's come to pick up his son, George. I want to play a little bit of, of the actual clip and then a little bit of the blooper. My George isn't clever enough to hatch a scheme like this. We got that right. What the hell does that mean? That means whatever the hell you want it to mean. You saying you want a piece of me? I could drop you like a bag of dirt. You want a piece of me? You got it! Okay, and so now you'll hear the same scene, but uh, with Julia Louis-Dreyfus unable to keep her composure after Jerry says just about anything. Who put you up to this? Was it her? All right, wait a minute. I think you've got it backwards. My George isn't clever enough to hatch a scheme like this. You got that right. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Come on, okay, let's go, let's go. <clears throat> that means whatever the hell you want it to mean. You're saying you want a piece of me? <laughs> It really has to be seen, and we will leave we will leave a link to it on the website because it is damn hilarious. Yeah, it never gets old, really. And uh, TBS, the, the the network that shows a lot of Seinfeld reruns, had as, as we're recording this the previous weekend, they ran a ten episode tribute to Jerry Stiller. Uh, ten of his. Interestingly enough, that episode was actually not in the block of, of episodes that they ran, but they took you through uh, all multiple seasons of his time on the show. Uh, from when they first introduced him uh, to the Seinfeld audience, uh, all the way to to as as it progresses, you really see his star just get bigger and bigger. You know, as you and I have talked uh, time and time again about the greatness of Seinfeld and uh, the show. Well, you've you've talked mostly about that. I've listened. Well, <laughs> you 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 get everlasting credit because I never would have watched the show if you hadn't actually suggested it to me once upon Seriously? a time. Seriously, I don't remember. That, that. is true. Uh, yeah, uh, and when it was still, the, I think it was in the midst of their first two years when they had an order of four episodes followed by thirteen. You know, where they were just <laughs> yeah. barely holding on. And, yeah. But I remember you watching it back then, saying, you know, you should check this out. This is this is a, a something like I've never seen before. And of course, the rest is history. But to me, one of the great qualities of that show is how they found all of these supplemental characters and actors to play those characters that were as, every bit as memorable as the core four, if you will. And Jerry Stiller, uh, as Frank Costanza, probably tops that list. I mean, it's probably him and and Wayne Knight as Newman and, and, if, and maybe uh, John O'Hurley as Jay Peterman. But no one outshined... Uh, uh, Jerry Stiller. <laughs> I was actually having a Jerry Stiller moment there. Was I should have looked up at the sky to, to remember my lines, <laughs> but no one outshined him on that show. I, I saw a headline uh, earlier today, and I haven't actually read the article that he jokingly uh, treated it 
his run on Seinfeld like Shakespeare. So I think that immediately maybe explains why he went to those places he went in trying to uh, portray that character. And it was brilliant. And I saw an interview with him uh, in, con- in conjunction with that blooper we just played too, that that scene followed him for the rest of his life, that P- he'd be walking down the street and a trucker would drive by and hang out the window and go, hey, you want a piece of me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other thing that should be said about him is not only was he a legend and revered uh, by everyone that he worked with, they, I mean, you just all the interviews just talk about what a sweet, kind, gentle guy he was. He just seems like one of those rare stars that just had a heart of gold. More music from uh, Harrison Lyman, my next, my nephew. Yeah, he's, uh, he's raised the bar, uh, kind of exploring new genres here. I think so. More to come, I'm sure. All right, now to the part that everyone's waiting for where Kevin and I shut up and we get to uh, listen to some younger people tell us what they like. And the first person on the line is, full disclosure, my stepson, Kenichi Hackman. Yay. Sorry, that was so <laughs> awkward. <laughs> Great way to debut yourself on the podcast. What was that? Yay. Yay. <laughs> Oh, you could have just you could have dazzled us with a what's up? I know. I was sorry. How are you doing? Weird. I'm good. Yeah, I'm great. How are you guys? I'm happy to be here. I'm honored to be here. Actually, it's really great to be the first young person. Yeah. Yes. uh, Yes, you are. You're the first one on our show tonight. We have a bunch of other youngsters, and you're also the oldest, I believe. You're what, 25 now? Yes. 25, living in Torrance, California. How's it like down there in the sunny California? Oh, it's great. You know, it's a, it's pretty quiet. So it's actually the best time to come drive around and go from downtown to Long Beach. It really takes like no time at all. So it's been great. Excellent. How is the pandemic? How is the pandemic affecting you, though? Are you are you are you dealing with this? The the, the shelter in lifestyle? You know, um, April was a weird month. Not definitely going to be honest about that. A lot of ups and downs just in terms of my own uh, motivation and just focus. Bottom line, I have a job. So that's the great, great thing at this point. A lot of people my age don't. That's good. Um, yeah, but April was just weird. Um, right now, um, in this month of May, I'm, I'm working half in the office, half at home. It's kind of uh, my role at work has changed a little bit. So I'm considered essential. You know, I think this has been a great time. Uh, it's been an eye opener for me. And honestly, I've been actually been able to reconnect with a lot of friends and family that had there been no pandemic, you know, it would just be our relationship would probably be in the same status as in, you know, almost non-existent, you know, really cherishing the the opportunity, you know, that we have to FaceTime, to Zoom calls or call people, you know, it, things we take for granted, or at least I took for granted before this. So, yeah, that's been, Very cool. that's been a great. Yeah, that's been good for me. All right. So as you know, Kenichi is an avid listener to our show. I'm assuming um, that we like to pick a lot of music and movies and other things. And we decided to let some other people come on and tell us what they're like. So give us all you got. Yes, I will definitely give you all you got. I will say your first episode about high fidelity heavily influenced me. I watched that show immediately after I saw that nice. first episode. She actually inspired me in that. I'm, I'm going to work on my own playlist that needs to be played from front to back. You can't shuffle. You can't skip because she made it a very 
adamant point that <laughs> like if it. someone makes you a playlist, you do not shuffle it. You listen to it from front to back. But go on, I'm glad you like that show. It's, uh, Kevin and I definitely connected to us because uh, how much it really appreciates and adores uh, music. Yeah. So what's your music choice? Well, yeah, so I guess my first choice, it's, it's by this artist named Mahalia. She's a British R&B artist. I first discovered her in 2017. Um, and this last, actually this month, earlier in May, she released, it says on Apple Music, a single, but it's three songs. Uh, it's called Isolation Tapes. And um, my favorite song on it right now is called Plastic Plants. I want to love you like in movies, a ticket for two, please, you could have been that man. Uh. If this was really showbiz, you would give me roses, now would take your hand. Uh. You know, one thing I really enjoyed from it is uh, just the realness of this song and the term, you know, she starts the first line, you know, I want to love like in the movies. And, you know, she's a young artist. She's around my age. And, you know, I can recall as a child, you know, you grow up uh, watching these movies and you see these, you know, epic romantic, you know, love stories that happen in the movie, like the plastic plant. They look real. It looks just like the real thing, but it's completely artificial. I just, yeah, really like that play on it like you kind of have to take what you see in the movies you know with a grain of salt like of course you know she's 22 and she's just kind of talking about her own mistakes that she's made and how she's grown from that so so how did you uh how did you find this uh how did you find this song how did it become part of your uh repertoire well i i i pretty much use apple music you know a lot of these artists that i've been listening to for the last few years every once in a while i just look them up on apple music see what, what what's new and what i haven't heard from and i also follow things on instagram like hot new hip hop or, or new R&B kind of stuff that's coming out. So that's actually how I discovered this, this particular mixtape. Um, this uh, one account that I follow, put them in their R&B playlist and they pretty much just put whatever's new and current. So as soon as I saw it was her, I didn't even look at what song they put in. I just said, oh, I got to listen to this uh, tape. Excellent. I definitely, I definitely like her sound. Yeah, she's really good. Um, she actually, she had an album come out late last year. Um, which it was called Love and Com Compromise. And these three songs, I believe, are from that time period um, where they either weren't finished in time or just didn't quite make the cut of the album, but there are still songs that are close to hers. Woke up this morning and I looked to my left, thought you were here, baby. And this is the other song on that isolation tape called BRB? Yeah, Malia's called this one actually her personal favorite of the uh, three on the mixtape because I, I believe she's in a somewhat newer relationship and she wrote this because, you know, she was gone touring all the time and couldn't spend time with her love, you know. But uh, so this song she said was her favorite because it was the realist in terms of her current emotions when she was writing it from what I've read, yeah. Excellent. Well, we will definitely link this on our website. Mahalia is the artist. Isolation Tapes is the EP slash single. All right, Kenichi, so you know, uh, we also, besides picking new songs, we also kind of go for our, our essential picks, like an old album 
or an old song that we just uh, believe is essential to our library. So what would you give us that would be in that category for you? Oh, yes, it is Sultans of Swing by Dire Straits. Yeah, so I love this song. I love everything about this song. You know, I'm a drummer and the drums are very subtle, but you can tell it's busy. It's not just like a, you know, straight eighth rock beat the whole time. Like the drummer's coming in and Mark Knopfler, you know, the lead singer, lead guitarist, he's just so tasteful. Um, just his little, you know, right here, just those little things. It's just really gives this song uh, so much flavor. You know, um, but this is a big nostalgia piece for me. You know, this was one of the first songs I can remember clearly as a child when I would be sitting in the car with my dad and we would pull up home and I'd be like, Dad, can we listen to the rest of the song? Because I got to hear the whole song. I actually did a little research, you know, I wanted to come informed. And actually, you know, this was a real experience that uh, Mark Knopfler went through. Uh, sometime in the mid 70s, he went to this very, you know, empty dive bar somewhere in South London, and uh, he saw this Dixieland jazz group. Um, actually, I think I did when I did my research, he called them a below average Dixieland jazz group. And, uh, you know, there was basically everything that he paints a picture in this song with his lyrics was really there. You know, he talks about a group of young kids um, with their platform soles on but they had no, uh, they didn't care about this jazz band because, you know, they're young, younger kids. It was when rock and roll was growing up, right? But I can just picture myself in their shoes. You know, I'm a young guy. I'm trying to go out, have a couple beers, but we'll just go to this cheap dive bar where no one's at because we probably don't have that much money, you know? So I'm just, but the funny thing is this band that they ended the night saying, hey, we're the Sultans of Swing. And, uh, you know, I just kind of, I, I just can't like get wrap my mind really around this like profound encounter that this struggling up and coming guitarist Mark Knopfler sees this band who he doesn't think is quite good, but the band's action of playing in this dive bar that ended up influencing this song, which ended up blowing up Dire Straits. Some uh, critics say is one of the best. You know, it's it's in a list of top 100 rock and roll songs I found. I think I think it would be uh, it would be in my top 100 of all time. I believe Kevin, yours. Oh yeah, by far. I mean, I I would take it even further. Just uh, building on something Kenichi said at the beginning of wanting to stay in the car and hear the end of the song. This is one of those that you have to listen to the end of this song because Mark Knopfler just goes off in one of the I think maybe top five greatest guitar solos in all of rock. Uh, he just goes bananas and it's his style is you can just the way when you listen to that um, solo at the end, you can just see the guy's fingers going, you know, a thousand miles a minute the way he's picking that guitar. And it's just it's an, it's insane. Good pick, Kenichi. Yes, thank you. 
All right, now you get to do a TV show. Oh yes. Give us one you're watching. All right, here's a little uh, here's a little hint. Maybe you'll get it before the title, but they say "Poor Nairobi" in the very many times in the last season. It's <laughs> Money Heist on Netflix. Yes, I have watched it. I've seen it from beginning to end. Yeah, I. All right, so I have not. So, so give me. Yeah, the... give give uh, Kevin and our audience a little bit of description of what the show's about. Okay, so you start off season one. It's a group of nine, eight or nine burglars, and they're there robbing the mint of Spain or the royal mint of Spain, where they print money for the country. Mm-hmm. And that's where you start. Is this group of people just about to rob this uh, mint? Who can think of that? It's great, you know, there's multiple timelines. So throughout the first season, you see how they led up to this event along with the event. The first few seasons deal with that. And then it kind of just goes into the whole crazy aftermath of what would happen if you were to rob the mint of Spain. And it's a Spanish series produced in Spain, shot in Spain with uh, several semi-famous Spanish actors from that country. It's become a giant international hit, though, because of Netflix. They travel the world now, this cast, and they're just like well-received everywhere they go because everybody loves this show. It is it is pretty over-the-top. Suspension of disbelief is something you must have <laughs> to... Uh, believe these people will get away with all of this stuff but i actually thought season four uh was maybe the best as, as good as season one yeah i agree i would say um i loved every season but season four is really where i yeah i mean you just get so invested in these characters you fall in love with the cast you know seeing the obstacles they have to go through and you're sympathizing with the bad guys right it's very soprano-esque in my mind where you're really you love the main antagonist, but they're the protagonist of the story. Um, you know, there's one character, uh, you know, they go by city names, but I'm just going to shout him out if that's okay. His name, they call him Berlin. And at the beginning, oh my gosh, you hate this guy. He's a misogynistic, narcissistic psychopath. But over the course of these three or four seasons, I find myself thinking like, oh my gosh, he's so poetic. His vision is amazing. Like, he, yes, he has flaws, but if I had to rob a bank, man, I want this guy on my team. Like, that's the kind of things I'm thinking <laughs> through the show. And uh, yeah, you know, I originally hesitated because of the subtitles. You know, I, you know, I watch Narcos, but uh, it's worth it. Yeah, Kev, that's when you that's that's when you should uh, check out. It's interesting, a good, pretty good show. It's season one, especially. Before we let Kenichi go, I got to take this interview in a in a slightly different direction, and it and it's not really in your wheelhouse, but I know, I know it's. I, in I, I, I predicted this would happen, even though you didn't tell me. <laughs> Kenichi, the, the the last dance. Tell me your tell me what you thought of that. Yes. Okay. I used to be a complete Jordan over LeBron guy. Okay. Early on mm-hmm. in my life, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm 25, but like for the first 22 years, I was probably a Jordan over LeBron guy, and. One, one big part is because, you know, fun fact, uh, Michael Jordan and I have the same birthday. Um, ah. So crazy. Two amazingly talented people, same birthday. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. but uh, Cosmic coincidence, But, man. you know, then <laughs> but then when I saw LeBron, you know, make the comeback over Golden State a few years back, then I was like, wow, maybe LeBron is the greatest. But really, I think this show for so many people, including myself, is really solidifying just mm-hmm. Michael Jordan's greatest of all time legacy. Like... You know, he maybe wasn't always the best, like the f- most fun guy to be around, like as we're seeing yeah. in these practice footages and everything. But nobody wanted to win a basketball game or whatever they were doing more than this guy. 
and episode five was a little emotional. You know, Kobe Bryant was in there and, and everything. Right. But, you know, you know, Kobe openly was saying, you know, even he hates that talk about, oh, you know, his fans would say, oh, Kobe, you'd beat Jordan or, you know, he pays so much homage. He's like, yo, everything I've done in my career is because of this guy. Yeah. Everything that you cheer me about is because of this guy. And yeah, when you just get to listen to all these Hall of Famers, Magic Johnson, Charles Barkley, Larry Bird, Larry Bird called Jordan God. I mean, what like yeah. so I really love this footage. I think it was a great idea that they did back in 98. I'm so happy they did. You know, I'm, I'm not even done with it, but I'm already satisfied. It was a it was a fun ride to watch. I'm glad you shared that with us. All right, Kenichi, you got to come on the show again and uh, bring us some new uh, music picks next time, okay? Definitely. I'm glad I could come in early before the show really picks up. So that way, when it, there's a much bigger fan base, you'll still remember me as a guest. I really appreciate that. <laughs> you'll always Thank have you a so seat much. at the table. <laughs> <laughs> yes. now, see, now you have, you but guys. now you have to uh, tweet about the show, um, whatever else you do in the social media world. And then you get all oh, your yeah. friends to listen and then they'll be, they'll be hooked. Yeah. We're yeah, looking forward to you, uh, you really breaking us on Instagram. Yeah. There'll be many tweets and Instagram story posts. Yes, I, I promise. All right. Thanks a lot for being with us. Yeah. Thank you guys. Right, See you around. Take care. All right. You too. Okay, Jeff. So we've heard from Southern California and Kenichi's picks. I'm curious now, maybe if we'll get a different uh, angle on things, if we literally just leave the States and get kind of an international perspective. What do you think? Well, it just so happens that I have a couple of young women from Bristol, England on the line, Ruby and India Lightwood. How are you guys? We're good. Thank you. Yeah, good. Thank you. So we were going to get the uh, British angle on what's hot these days. Let's do it. Do, do the two of you know which which of those groups you're in? The the millennial group, the Gen whatever. Um, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Is, is it Gen Z? Is that right? <laughs> yeah, they would say Z uh, over there. We say Z here, but yes, you're Gen Z. Gen Z. Okay, so the idea is let's let's kind of take a peek into the mind of the Gen Zer, if you will, <laughs> and and give us give us a give us a sense of what your picks would be i guess let's uh let's just start ruby with you musically ruby ruby first uh how old are you ruby uh 17 nearly 18 nearly 18 and india i'm 20 okay so see i was uh, trying to i was trying to avoid that question because i didn't think it was i was supposed to ask that but apparently <laughs> jeff you, you're, uh, you're kids right don't kids don't care about uh, yeah, how old they are. Or, sorry, i'm sorry young adults that don't care about so yeah we'll go with the young one first do you think Sure, sure. I'm I'm eager to hear musically. Like, what's what you know what what's on your phone right now that uh, that's getting the heaviest amount of your attention? Uh, for me, it's probably probably '90s hip hop kind of music is what I'm in most in into mostly. '90s '90s hip hop. Yeah, I just think it's a bit. It's different to what most people my age are listening to, but I just I like it a bit more because it's a bit too much tech now, and some of it has a bit. I don't know. I think it's a bit more real than some of the music that other people my age are listening to right now. And a particular artist? Uh, Biggie. Every time our face is up in the source, yeah. we used to fuss when the landlord dissed us. No heat. Wonder why Christmas missed us. Birthdays was the worst days. Now we sip champagne when we thirsty. Uh, damn right I like the life I live. Cause I went from negative to positive and it's all. And if you don't know, now you know, yeah. nigga. Uh. 
All right, so which year uh, were you born, Ruby? Uh, 2002. And do you know which year uh, Biggie Smalls was uh, killed? Um, it was in the 90s. I can't remember exactly which <laughs> year it was. 97? 97. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kevin, I'm not sure if we're getting a, the a view of what the kids today are liking. We're getting the idea that one young lady in Bristol likes 90s hip hop, stuff that was released before she was born. <laughs> well, I like what she I like what she said about and I want to hear more about it Ruby about the more you just feel like it's more real than what your peers are listening to. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I feel like 90s music has a bit more like the rappers tell a bit more of a story. I feel like now it's mm-hmm. a lot it's so like the music is quite repetitive and there's a lot of which obviously is still good, but it just doesn't have as much character behind it and people tell actual stories about like Right. what's actually happening in their life and it's a bit more real than I feel like artists now are often writing music that they think people want to hear rather than music that actually reflects themselves and their own persona. So would it be fair to say stuff that's that's popular for your age group right now, I might describe it as overproduced or just it's got too much going on. What what you like about this, this 90s hip hop is it's a little simpler, a little cleaner. Yeah, exactly. Just in terms of the, the, yeah. the sound, yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, it's just, there's a bit too much technology. I think they went a bit too far the other way when obviously it got discovered. I think people got a bit excited with it and just took it. Obviously, there's there's still music that um, is produced today that I'm into, um, but some of it, there are some artists that just take it a bit too far with the, t- with the technology. Now, you it. said uh, maybe not the same thing that everyone else in Bristol or England are listening to, but do your, do your other friends uh, like Biggie? Are they... Are they into them too, but just not as much as you? Uh, yeah, some of them. Some of them like uh, 90s music. I have a couple friends that do. But a lot of them are more into like grime and drill and UK rappers from like... Um, but yeah, no, I have a few friends that are into 90s music as well. And we really bond over that. Well, that's really cool. Do you got any other tracks uh, that you, you want to recommend from Biggie? Uh, yes. Uh, Everyday Struggle um, from his Ready to Die album. It's got such chill beats as well. A chill beat? Yeah, like the button. I, I, you know, I have to admit, I was not at all into uh, hip hop uh, in the 90s when I was already an adult. <laughs> Um, And I've gotten more into it definitely in the last couple decades. And I I, uh, DJed a wedding uh, back in November of last year. I think the bride was about 32, groom was about 34. And the bride gave me the list of of music to play. And the artist that appeared most on that list was Notorious B.I.G. Yeah. I I had heard most of his songs before, but I wasn't very much into them. I wasn't aware of all the titles and everything. So I had them on my playlist and I played most of them during the wedding. And I can tell you that when I looked out uh, onto the dance floor, all these 30-something white guys knew every word to every Notorious <laughs> B.I.G. song. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, it was like, I mean, but they were, you know, high school kids uh, when this stuff came out. I think if I'd been in high school, I would have been much more into it. But as it was, I was in my uh, late 20s, early 30s. India, I'm curious, uh, your older sister, India, do you like uh, Biggie? Yeah, I actually do. I mean, Ruby actually, I knew him when I was a bit long, younger, like 15, but Ruby properly introduced me to him again. Oh, cool. 
So, yeah. uh, one more thing, yeah. if you don't mind, Jeff. Here's here's one of those old old fogey recommendation to young person moments that we're probably going to have uh, throughout this podcast. Can I can I give you a suggestion of maybe two older hip hop tracks to check out? Yeah. Okay, so there's one, and you may who knows, maybe you've heard of these. There's one from the '80s that I like that's considered a, a real influential piece for everything that came later. It's called "The Message," and it's by an uh, artist named Grandmaster Flash. Oh, no, it's by Grandmaster Flash. So he's the original. Yeah. And then uh, there's another one called The Breaks by Curtis Blow. And these are these were songs that exploded in the very the earliest phase of this wave uh, as rap sort of begat hip hop and then what we know it is now. So uh, maybe check those out. Yeah, no, I've written them down. I'll check them out. Kevin's the expert on on the older stuff. He'll pull stuff out like that. I had no idea he knew about. So. Yeah, it's not good enough, Jeff. <laughs> thank you yes uh well okay, are we okay, going to talk a little bit of tv too with ruby yeah i was wondering ruby what do you uh what have you been watching lately uh well i actually this is a bit of yeah it's a bit embarrassing actually because i have i um everyone <laughs> knew about fresh prince of burlef ages and i heard about it but i actually haven't watched it until recently because my friend told me oh, that really? i had to and it's it's such an iconic show it's like it's like friends everyone needs to watch friends so like yeah, so I've been watching a bit of Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Um, and you like it? You're hooked to it. I mean, it has like five seasons, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really easy to watch. It's one of those ones. It is like it is comparable to Friends in that way. It's just I am. I do really like the '90s and stuff. But I wish I was a teenager in the '90s, born in the '80s, and grew <laughs> grew up in the '90s. Wow. Would be my like ideal situation. But um, yeah, it gives you just a bit of an insight of what it's like to be a teen in the '90s and the fashion of Will Smith and. He has very cool, funky T-shirts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who is the character, the buddy, or the, so he moves in with that family and it's the son in that family. I think. Oh, Carlton. Carlton. Carlton, there it is, yeah. Yeah, the rich kid. Yeah. Right. Is there an episode where he comes into the room, like singing It's Not Unusual or like lip syncing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he like dances, yeah, okay, around, dances around the room. And so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watched that one. That is actually really. pretty funny. Yeah. Okay, Ruby, before we go to your sister, how about one thing that's new, something that was produced recently, like after you were born? Uh, yeah, I was watching this Netflix series called I'm Not Okay With This. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's really good. I just like it. Have you finished? Remind, us, remind us, Ruby, what's it about? Um, it's kind of a mix of like teen angst and superpowers kind of thing. Yeah, just basically about this girl who has some issues. Um, and then she finds out when she gets angry and emotional that um, she can basically move things with her mind and stuff like that. It's quite cool. Did you finish it already? Did you watch? Did you watch all of yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I've watched it all. I really like it. It's quite in, like I like the inclusive nature of the fact that the main character is a lesbian as well, and it just kind of like explores mm-hmm. mental health in a more kind of physical way, like a literal physical way, because she has powers and. Well, cool. And did you watch that too, India? Yeah, I did actually. I'm pretty yeah, sure I, sh- I I told Ruby to watch it. Um, oh yeah, maybe. But yeah, no, it's, it's a really good show. <laughs> All right, India, what do you uh, what do you got for us uh, on your list? Um, so TV, I'm more I'm I want to be an actor, so I'm more kind of TV, film, theatre uh-huh. stuff. Yeah. Um, the one I've been watching a lot at the moment is Afterlife. It's about um, a man who's lost his wife, and it's kind of the whole series is is, is Ricky Gervais, and it's the whole series is based around um his kind of grieving process throughout, mm. you know, the the, the um, months previous to his wife's death. 
um, and about how he deals with all these different characters and people in his life. Um, and I thought it was really nice to see Ricky Gervais do something a bit more serious, especially in the second series. Um, there's quite a lot of crying. Um, but I thought it was, you know, the characters in it are really uh, real and they're quite, obviously they're quite dramatised and strange in different ways and they've got quirky personalities, but um, also very human, which makes kind of every emotion they go through very like, relatable and raw. And yeah, it's really good. Very satirical as well. So Ricky, uh, obviously, he started with the British version of The Office. Yes. He did the HBO series Extras, which was yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, of course, both comedy. So this show, um, it is, I'm sure it has some funny parts, but it, it plays more as a, uh, a drama. Yeah, I would say, you know, that whole um, dramedy. So it's kind of, it is a drama, but there's a lot of, um, as I said, satirical. So it's quite dark humor yeah. um, at points. Yeah. Would you call yourself a Ricky Gervais fan before you saw this series? Not a super fan, but I've definitely watched a bit of extras and I watched quite a lot of The Office and a few of his like um kind of comedy series things that he did, like a stand up comedy stuff. So yeah, I say I was a fan. Yeah. Well good. Yeah. Sounds like a good pick. I haven't I've I've been aware of the show, but I have never watched it. I have to check it out. You should watch it, it's so good. Oh you actually, you actually need to. You need to. Okay, what's uh give us the next item on your list? Uh, so my next one is a it's a play. I don't think you would have heard this, but it's called Albion by Mike, Mike Bartlett. Um, and I saw this at the Almeida just before lockdown at the beginning of the year. And this was probably the best thing I've ever watched. Um, wow. Yeah, it was amazing. So where is that uh, theatre? Um, it's kind of off the West End in London. Oh, okay. So in the, in the thick of it then. Yeah, right in the thick of it. So tell us why this play was the best, one of the best ever. Um usually when I go to see a play like or, or a musical or anything like that there's always like a few weak people on the stage but literally I couldn't I couldn't fault a single member of the cast the script gets more and more complicated as it gets on it's not really that difficult um like a vocabulary or anything like that but the it's about a woman like rebuilding her garden as a way of dealing with her grief over a lost son but the whole thing is like mm. a metaphor for um like the nostalgia of old England so it's kind of it's the whole thing. It's like a whole conflict between the people trying to move on from, um, you know, English tradition. In this case, it would be like the mother trying to replicate the garden that she had. And, you know, the people that are trying to push her on from this and get her over her grief. Um, it's really, really clever. There's a lot of like kind of twists and different things that happen that you're really not expecting. So it's quite, but it's three and a half hours long. So you should think Oof. something might happen. So two intermissions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Really long. Kevin's always concerned about length of program. So, question: uh, You said you said something really fascinating there. Uh, when you watch a, a, a theater performance, you said you can usually pick out the sort of substandard performers. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And what tips you off to that? I think it's not always what they're saying; it's their nonverbal communication. So it's mm -hmm. you know, if, if uh, for instance, it's like their their kind of. Um, sometimes lack of reaction for instance so if they if someone says something like i'm pregnant and then it's just you don't see it in them you don't see their that sitting with them mm -hmm. and then them coming up with their response which would obviously be the next line in slightly weaker performers sometimes i i often see that that doesn't happen it doesn't sit with them and it doesn't you can't see it in their eyes and you can't you just don't really believe it right it sounds like you're talking about a lack of commitment yeah and i don't think necessarily it's always their fault that they're maybe maybe they are committing but they're just not connecting with it enough right or they just can't connect with it enough sometimes so for this particular uh piece across the board essentially shining stars all over the stage 
Yeah, basically, wow. yeah. Did you see it too, Ruby? No, I didn't see it. I don't know when she actually... When did you see that in? Um, I think it was um, one of the audi- uh, an audition that I was doing in London. I was up there oh, for right. audition. Oh, right, yeah. No, I didn't go up to London as much. I saw it then. She had two or four auditions and stuff. Now, Indy, you said you're studying to be uh, an actor, right? Yeah, I've just got into um, Guildford School of Acting in just near London in Surrey. Excellent. Congratulations. Yes. That's very exciting. Thank you. So do you see yourself uh, more as being in a play like that or as in a show like uh, Afterlife or something else on Netflix? Um, I mean, to be honest, I'll take what I can get. But um, <laughs> probably um, I'm, I would love to try film. I've never done it before, but they do do a, um, a bit of it in second year at drama school. So I'd love to try a bit of screen and see if that works I have high hopes for you because going to a school like that, I mean, this is this one of the reasons we have so many British actors invading America and playing Americans because you guys get the best training and there's just nothing like that in the States, really, unless you go to, you know, New York. I mean, you can't just... Juilliard. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And and not many people can get into there. So um, yeah. how's your American accent? Um, I'm not going to lie. That's my weak point. I'm not going to accent, but they do do whole <laughs> accent thing at drama school. So hopefully by the end of that, I'll be... I'll be spot on. Is there a class like American Accent 101? Yeah, uh, well, they do it at dramas because they do like um, like New York, like Bronx kind of accent. They do like um, like Californian, like just kind of normal, hmm. general American. And then they do obviously like uh, Scottish, Irish, Northern Irish, you know, kind wow. of different parts of Europe. It's a whole thing here. Yeah. By the way, do we have just normal American accents to you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Apart from, like, um, Californian or New York, I can't really tell the difference. Or, like, Texas. California? Oh, yeah. Howdy. <laughs> I've never said that. I've never said howdy. No, but that's a Texas kind of... Good. I'm glad. <laughs> yes, yes. Howdy, cowboy. Howdy. And how many uh, years will, will the uh, course of study take? Uh, three years, so I'll finish in 2023. Ah, okay. And is the goal then just to move into a career or is there further schooling and study that you would do after that? Yeah, well, I I mean, I could do an MA, but I probably will just end up hopefully getting an agent and starting work. So the goal. And that would be wherever you can find it. If if there was an opportunity, you'd come over here to the States. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, as long as I get the visa, I'll do, I'll do, you know, Mm -hmm. anything really. So I'd like to work in the States at some point, though, definitely. Ruby, have you uh, picked a like a career path or direction like uh, your sister has? Uh, yeah, no, um, I want to be a singer. Like uh, like Biggie Smalls? So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not actually, um, surprisingly, that talented at rapping. I'm sure I can get better, but it's not really my forte, I won't lie. I'm more, I'm more an admirer. Uh, okay, so more like uh, Taylor Swift? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, more... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um, that well, non-response think... was a big response. <laughs> I yeah. think I want I want to train um, in classical singing, so like opera, because it's the hardest training you can do, and then it makes it more versatile. Because I could do any type of singing, but no, not really like Taylor Swift. If I could roles um, in <laughs> uh, musicals like Phantom of the Opera or Les Mis or something, and, and um, do the because you get your you can have a higher employability rate if you're trained in classical singing. Gary and Henry are raising a talented household of performers. Potentially, guess we'll see. We'll see if we <laughs> fail or not. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Modest too, apparently, Jeff. Yes, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Depends if we fail, and then they can brag or not brag. You can buy your parents a very big house 
Yeah, pay off die. them. Pay off the mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, any other picks to throw our way? Anything else? Else we should check out? Um, have you Have you been watching um, Normal People? Normal mm. People. No, I've heard about Normal this people. from a few. Um, is, is that something that we should check out? Yeah. No. It's um. It's actually got one of the people that was in the play that I was talking about, Albion. She's called uh, uh-huh. Daisy oh. Edgar Jones, um, uh-huh. and she she's in Normal People as well. It's set in uh, I think Northern Ireland. Um, and it's ah. about to kind of, I think they're like 16 and it kind of their lives going through into uni and just kind of their relationship. And it, it's quite, it's very sexual, just, just so you know, before you watch it, it's very sexual. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's really beautifully acted and it's a really good thing to watch, I think. Looks like it's on Hulu. Uh, yes. And uh, BBC iPlayer. I don't know if you get that in the States. Oh, you should listen to, you should listen to Ocean Wisdom, who's another good rapper. And he's oh, okay. a, he's a okay. more current rapper, and he's got very good flow. And where's he from? Uh, UK. Uh, okay, cool. Okay, well, I want to thank you both for uh, coming on the show and give us your picks. Thank uh, you, for you, have us. To, you have you have to do it again when you uh, when you have more ideas and more music to tell us. We'll have to have, have you on again in the future. Okay. Cool. Cool beans. Thank you. <laughs> this was fun, you guys. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great job. We're going to come back across America now to my hometown, Puyallup, Washington, and bring on Alex Perez. Alex, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right. You know, just happy and, to be uh, on the show. How old, how old are you, Alex? Uh, they tell me I'm 21. I tell you. You were suspicious, though. Well, you never really know when you're born, you know? Oh, well, I thought I did. But anyway. <laughs> Do you feel 21? I, you know, I feel it. I really do. Okay. Okay. And and you've had your first taste of alcohol recently then. That's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <good. laughs> are you drinking now? <laughs> yeah. Are you drunk? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it always, it can make for a whole different level of entertainment. So Kevin, uh, Kevin, Alex actually has a podcast as well. Really? What? Tell us about it. Oh, yeah. So it's a show that I do with my uh, some of my buddies from high school. And we just talk about writing and, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and kind of world building and all that stuff. Kind of world building. World building. So you have aspirations to dominate the globe at some point. Is that what you're saying? Well, (laughs) more along the lines of writing. From Puyallup. (laughs) Yeah, from Puyallup. It'll be my capital. They'll build a giant pyramid in my honor. (laughs) <laughs> all right well thanks for coming on the show and uh like our other guests tell us what your current music pick is well my current music pick is uh the, the marias and i think one of the songs that really nails just them as a, a sound is i don't know you found this band when I was uh, I got really into lo-fi hip-hop and you can usually find hour-long playlists of lo-fi hip-hop it's something that a lot of college kids like to listen to for studying but so when I get really into a genre of music I like to delve into it and find something new and so I went in my search I found a couple of bands and genres and I realized that one thing that really 
attaches to the genre is a uh, lo-fi hip hop. So Alec, explain to me and hopefully a few other novices in the audience what lo-fi hip hop is all about. Well, essentially lo-fi hip hop or dream pop, it's known for its really relaxing beats. And if it does have vocals, it's they're very calming. Still Woozy, that's, that's an artist who makes a lot of lo-fi hip hop. Uh, another one would be Temporix which is one of my favorite. He only really has one album, but it's a really nice one. Nice. Okay. And this song is Cariño by the Marias? Yeah. I like this band a lot, Alex. I actually did have one song of theirs on my uh, on my iPhone. Glad you picked them because I got to know a lot more about them by listening to their library. For sure. I, I really enjoy just the soft music to it. Uh, it gives you a kind of sense of breathiness and sway. You get what I'm saying? Because I don't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now we, we we got the vibe <laughs> yeah we, yeah, we you get, get it you get the gist <laughs> uh now how about your essential pick something from uh earlier in your life or could be now but something you think is essential to your music library well that would have to be cakes fashion nugget there you can hear songs like frank sinatra thing is about cake is that growing up uh that that was this was the first band that my dad showed to me and so (laughs) i really this was the first band that i got hooked on ah and uh, when you say show you just mean he played them for you or did you go see them uh i i didn't i've never actually seen them i i really want to i've seen a couple uh, cover bands of them but I, I, I really enjoy their sound, and it just brings back a lot of positive memories. An old man sits collecting stamps in a room all filled with Chinese Yeah, well, Alex, was this, was, I'm, I'm just kind of following along here and, and reading a little bit about it. I mean, it seems to me that The Distance was their, their big kind of breakthrough oh, song. Yeah. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turn. I'm sure it's it's got to be one of those that's on the you know top 100 alt songs in the 90s. It's very much in my 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 recollection a signature song uh, of that decade. I I've always I've always really really liked that track just because of uh, it has elements. It has a super funky bass line to it, but then uh, the the chorus has that you know much more hard edge guitar. And I like how they just, they, they really, they don't really do a lot of singing in that song. There's a lot of just kind of a spoken word approach, which is pretty cool. Yes. I, I think what really is their signature is their implementation of brass instruments into their music. 
Nice. It's like a, uh, I wouldn't call it ska, but you know, ska does use a lot of brass instant instruments. Yeah, I think it's a good comparison. They, they yeah. also, there was another 90s band called Morphine that reminded me of that too, that I was really into at one point, and I've kind of basically forgotten about them, but this reminds me of them. All right, good pick. Thank you. Last one would be a movie or a show or a TV show, whatever you like. What do you got for us? I'm right now halfway through season two of Barry, from uh, HBO's Barry. Oh, yes. Yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it. I uh, Never have I seen a show before that's made me want to laugh so hard and cry as much as <laughs> Barry does. I, uh, yeah, you know, it is kind of amazing, isn't it? Because you would think that Bill Hader, as crazy and funny as he is, has been on Saturday Night Live, would not be able to pull off something that could be so touching at the same time as also hilarious. You've nailed exactly why I love this show, too. It, 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 it's a phenomenal show. First of all, Bill Hader is the assassin guy. It really fits this. He doesn't look like a killer, just Bill Hader, which I think really helps the show. <laughs> uh, and you, did you see the, did you see the episode the episode where the uh, he has to kill uh, the guy in his house, and then his little daughter comes home, and his daughter realizes what's happened, and she suddenly turns into this like this kung fu assassin that chases him the rest of the episode. <laughs> Have you gotten to that one yet? No, I haven't. You spoiled it. Definitely. Uh, that's an excellent choice. Kevin, you got to get that one on, on your list. Yeah, I need to probably get HBO too, don't I, Jeff? <laughs> that would help. I can give <laughs> you my, I can give you my uh, if you don't tell anybody, I can give you my uh, passcode. Alex, what do you think of the casting of, uh, of, the, of Henry Winkler in this show? Um, I, I've heard that, that he, he's very strong, but it's just so funny to think about the Fonz in the role that uh, they've got him in in this show. Well, you see, the thing about him is that he's aged in such a way that when you look at him, you don't really see the Fonz, you know? Right. You know, Not at all. Lots of love to him, but... Uh, no, I think he's probably happy to shed that persona, too. Right. <laughs> he is excellent. He won, he won an Emmy for this show. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, he's very funny. This might be, this might be the, the, the vehicle that really is, is uh, responsible for kind of his comeback, I think. Yeah, he did a lot of producing and stuff behind the scenes. Um, in fact, I remember he he used to work in the same building as I did in Hollywood, and um, I would often see him across the street at the restaurants. And I I just remember thinking how when I was a kid, I just worshipped this guy as the Fonz right. and wore leather jackets, <laughs> and now he's just a guy in my way when I want to buy a sandwich. Right. Uh, but I'm I'm glad he's back uh, performing uh, because uh, the show is great. Good pick, Alex. I think you uh, thank I think you. you pretty much nailed it with uh, your three picks. So good job. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm just one of those guys that when I find something, I, I really enjoy it and I really like to dig into it, you know? All right. Well, keep us uh, posted on what you find in the future because we want to keep the line on out to all you guys because, I mean, your pick of uh, the Marias and also Kenichi's pick of um, Halia, I think those are things that are I'm adding to my playlist today. So good work. Well, thank you. Uh, Jeff, I think it's going pretty well so far that you and I are doing – pretty uh, very little talking you know and we're, we're we're actually delivering to the audience what we told them they were going to get which is less of us and more of young people telling us what their picks are so kudos to you we're letting the younger generation speak so uh we're going to venture now about uh, half a block from my house and i'm going to bring on uh, two members of my family and these are uh my niece and nephew regan mott and garrett mott hi guys how you doing Good. How are you? 
Well, we're, th- we're thrilled to have you. How are you guys holding up during the quarantine? Going pretty crazy, that's for sure. Pretty much stir crazy? Yeah, going for sure stir crazy. Uh, it's tough to be turned 21 three months ago and then have to be uh, deal with these circumstances for sure. But Right, so pretty much all the drinking you get to do is with your mom and your sister. Is that what you're saying? None, actually. I'm, I had <laughs> minimal drinking, so that's, but it's been fun, so... Well, okay, so that when it so when it's over, you're just going to blow up, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's just definitely going to be. Uh, we're going to have to catch up. So, <laughs> uh, I should say too that uh, my niece and nephew are uh, correct me guys if I'm wrong, a uh, sophomore and junior at Oregon State. Correct. That's correct. Okay, okay, Riggs, we're going to start with you. I want to hear your uh, your current music picks. What's 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 on your phone that you're listening to that you want to share with us and our audience. Yeah, well, I'm a big country fan, so I love Luke Combs and Morgan Wallen. Okay, Riggs, who are we listening to there? Okay, so this is Morgan Wallen. I just recently got into him probably less than a year ago because he just became hot in country, basically, and he's your typical southern guy with a mullet. Um, and you can tell from the song, pretty redneck. Um, but basically, <laughs> I just got into country in high school, and all of my friends loved him. We went to Country Music Fest up around by Corvallis. And we just love it for the good times and just how open and fun everyone was too. It's just a great time. Is is this was it safe to say that a central central theme in his songs is, uh, "Give me a beer and I'm going to now drink it." Oh, the majority of it is drinking. <laughs> okay. One hundred percent. Yeah, we were listening to a couple of, we were kind of previewing a couple tracks before we started recording. Yeah, this one is where he doesn't love his girl as much as his hometown. Ah, okay. Uh, Regan, I have to admit, I don't, I, I, I do like country, but I like mostly alt country uh-huh. and a little bit, a little bit more folk country. Um, like uh, Sergio Simpson, uh, Jade Bird, a few of these other artists that are kind of new, and uh, and but I liked how you came into this, basically saying straight out, "Oh, he has a mullet. It's all redneck, and all they sing about is drinking," which is kind of the way I would make fun of the music. But you're someone who likes the music and is saying that stuff. Oh, I'm totally for it. When we went to CMF, I mean, there's no one that parties like Hick, parties like Hicks do. It's hilarious to see. We were out there with our trailer and everything. We're all set up. But these people next to us just had this like little mini pool that you'd have for a kid. And they were just messing around, drinking beer, all this stuff. And they were hilarious. <laughs> well, speaking of drinking, speaking of drinking. So this is uh, Luke Combs, now her second choice. And the song is called One Too Many. Three, two, one, two, many. Uh, 
I don't know. I, just, I, it, it, I love it. It's just he's he's unabashedly singing about uh, the stuff, and he's actually a pretty good lyricist. If you read some of his stuff, he he has a really good sense of humor. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. I just watched an interview about him where he just picked up a guitar during college and now he's five six years into his career and already has so many number one hit songs yeah i saw that he's done only two albums with seven signals and all of them went to number one on uh the country air playlist yes he's just so unapologetically himself and everyone loves it here's a little bit more uh softer side of luke combs thank god they were there to see me this one's for you. Still singing about beer. This this I one's for you. So listening to listening to these tunes and kind of and just looking at his uh, his picture on his Wikipedia page as we're as we're uh, cycling through this, it sounds like Regan. He's he, he's an artist that you find relatable. He's authentic. Would that be safe to say? Oh, 100 percent. I think me and Garrett were both raised to be 100 percent ourselves, and I think uh, Uncle, you can definitely back us up on that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I figured that's probably why he, why he, he was an artist that uh, connected with you. All right, Regan, those are great picks to get us started. Garrett, tell me a little bit about what's, what's current for you. What are your current music picks? Um, my first pick is definitely Chris Stapleton. Um, so Chris Stapleton is uh, a singer-songwriter uh, out of Nashville that's become very popular here within the last three or four years. Um, he's uh, an older gentleman and found his fame later in life, but um, was a singer-songwriter for many years of his career, writing like big hits for George Strait and Luke Bryant that, I mean, the common person listened to every day, but no one knew who was behind it. And then he came out with his project. Um, his first album, which was Traveler, which we just listened to uh, Parachute on. And uh, he was able to kind of break out and find this niche little crowd in this. He was, just became a one-man hit factory. And I actually had the pleasure to see him last summer um, up at Amphitheater North of Portland. And it was uh, kind of a crazy experience to see so many people um, know every single lyric to his, all of his songs. And it was uh, kind of one of those experiences that you'll never like forget and i remember me and regan being in the very back of the amphitheater and still feeling like we were in the front row which i thought was cool on top of all of, uh him being a great lyricist and having uh bringing out local uh guitar players and other instrumentalists that really made the show and his music uh when you're just listening to the truck feel fantastic He's definitely one of the more uh, prolific country artists. I mean, he's written for the, some of the people that you mentioned, but also he, he's co-written with Peter Frampton, Sheryl Crow, Ed Sheeran, and uh, he wrote songs for Adele. I mean, this guy's all over the map. Wow. Really a uh, talented guy. And he's I definitely consider him more of like, like a country rock angle, a little bit more than the ones Regan uh, picked, um, which actually 
fits in my wheelhouse a little bit more. I, I, I can connect to him a little bit more than the other country artists. Yeah, I definitely enjoy his like bluegrass and rock sound to his music kind of makes you feel like a wayward traveler, or cowboy out on the American West again a little bit. Nice. Okay, so who's your other who's your other newer pick? Uh, my other pick is going to be the complete opposite of the spectrum, uh, Travis Scott. I need the high go that to the side. I get those goosebumps every time. Yeah, when you're not around, when you throw that to the side. I get those goosebumps every time. Yeah, seven one three to the two eight one. Yeah, I'm riding. Why they on me? Um, so Travis Scott uh, is. Pretty new to the scene, um, came out on 2014 with uh, two solo projects when he was unsigned um, and has become an absolute icon of a music artist. Um, this is Goosebumps from his album Birds in the Trap Sing McKnight. In this project, I was actually, just like Chris Stapleton, able to see him live in concert before he got uh, massive and he actually set the record five days before we saw him in Eugene at the Cuthbert Amphitheater, um, me and my friends after we graduated high school um, and he's known for his live performances that are absolutely insane and five days before he had broke the world record for the same song being played in a row which was 15 times and he played goosebumps which we just listened to uh and he's just kind of become this enigmatic icon in terms of fashion um trap music do you guys know what trap music is i don't so nope i, I don't either so it's music that was a section of hip-hop music that came out of the south in the early 1990s um he's from houston and it was able it kind of came from the trap is somewhere where you go to buy uh, drugs in a lower economic area, most likely. And he was kind of came out of this area and became a fashion icon, um, has a child with Kylie Jenner, uh, and is kind of just this all over the place guy that um, has a lot of kids my age shape and sound in music um, that is totally different from rap music 10 years ago. Very cool. Yeah, he's also he's another uh, prolific choice. I mean, this guy works with Justin Bieber, The Weeknd, Rosalia, Kanye West, Kendrick Lamar, Tame Impala. I mean, he's all over the map. Very impressive uh, roster for this guy. And he's uh, apparently partners with Kylie Jenner. Was was they're not anymore. Was oh, okay. They right. broke she, up. Kylie Jenner is his, uh, Kylie Jenner is his baby mama now. All right, so we got breaking news there. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Breaking news probably about ten years ago, since we don't watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. <laughs> That's one show you won't hear updates uh, from us on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to hear. I, I actually have a question now. So, so we had uh, a brother and sister, three country artists, and then the left turn into uh, rap. I want to know, Regan, what do you think of Travis Scott? Oh, I love him. <laughs> Good. I think me and Garrett are similar where we love country, but then we also love rap. So a harmonious household, no brothers and sisters fighting over a different music artist. Yep, basically. No, not at all. Okay, so when we ask for picks, we're not only looking for music, but we're looking at uh, different media. So Regan, you got a you got something on TV, a favorite series you're watching right now. What's that? Uh, definitely It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That's on FX. Now, are they still making new ones of those? The last season was in 2018, but it started in, 20, in 2005. Yeah, it's been, it was on for a long time. So uh, you, you have you watched the, like, the whole thing? Are you in the middle of it? Oh, I've watched it multiple times. Wow. It is Tell a us about what's, crazy, the, what's the basic story. A crazy show. So really, there's no like basic story. There's five people who own mm-hmm. this bar. And then basically every episode, they all have a new dumb idea and they try to go through with it and it never works. 
So it's just based on stupidity. Uh, yes, and they're all nice. and they're five horrible people, really. Yeah, so there's a brother and a sister, and then two of their friends, and then uh, their dad Frank comes into it. Danny DeVito. Yes, oh, the that star is, of Danny the show. DeVito's role. Okay. Okay. It is it is quite a spectacle to watch. They are just the dumbest and worst people you could imagine. Um, oh, they're and, horrible. <laughs> which uh, and it's, it's a pretty raunchy, crude show too, but it's a lot of fun. So fun. All right, and you've got a second one, second TV series. Oh yeah, that one's probably even dumber. It's called Love Island. Um, <laughs> this is wait reality. Yes, totally reality TV show, but the one I watch is UK based. Uh, which makes it so much better because the U.S. version sucks. Um, but basically, a whole bunch of people are just, uh, they go to this villa and then they try to find love or whatever. There's a certain amount of guys and girls and then new people come in and basically like wreck their relationships and stuff like that. Now, this isn't the one I watched with you where they, they have to perform these goofy stunts. Uh, no, that is like it. Oh, that is it. Okay, yeah, I know. I, 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 all tr- true confession. I think I found myself watching this with Regan once upon a time. <laughs> and it is very stupid, but it's also hilarious. <laughs> now, what, uh, what service do you watch the UK version on? Hulu. Hulu. Okay, so, uh, there you go. so you've okay. seen some of the American one. Yeah, I gave up after like thirty minutes into the first episode. It was like The Bachelor. Okay. Oh, really? So tell us why. So why is the UK show better? They're funnier, so their accents are really funny to laugh at, and sometimes you can't understand it. Yeah. Um, and the U.S. version, it's it's like The Bachelor, and I just hate The Bachelor already because it's the same thing over and over again. Like you just know what's going to happen; it's so predictable. But the U.K. version, I literally don't know what's going to happen. It's actually funny to see how these people interact with each other because it's really stupid. All right, let's flip over to you, Garrett. I know you've, Garrett, you've got some older music picks you want to share too, and I'll come back to those. But tell us about what you're watching on TV right now. Uh, yeah, so my TV show that I just uh, recently caught up on, it's called uh, Billions on Showtime. Uh, and it kind of pits uh, U.S. Attorney General um, against a man by the name of Bobby Axelrod, who's played by Damian Lewis, who um, is this kind of had to fight for everything he had, but he's a high finance. He owns a hedge fund called Axe Capital in the show and uh, is insider trading. I mean, just trying to doing everything legal you can as a financial institution to make money uh, and Mm. expose the financial markets. And it's about them going through manipulating each other, using power, trying to outmaneuver the other one. And it's kind of cool because there's on top of these two, there's so many different dynamic characters and there's so many small other little storylines to kind of complement these two really fighting it out that you kind of forget they're fighting that there's all these different little storylines going on. I think Kevin, you would, I think you would love this show, Kevin, uh, if for no other reason they managed to throw in so many pop culture references in the dialogue. Yes. That, it's uh, all cool. It is, uh, it is uh, amazing how, how much they do it. And, and it's fun to, to, to laugh and follow along and try to catch everything. Uh, it, whether it's a song lyric or a reference to an eighties movie or something, but they don't just say the name of the movie. They'll just say something obscure that happened in the movie or the character's name uh, just in <laughs> passing. And it's the scripting is so much fun in the show. It's uh, it's, it's great. The, you have two on the list that you sent over and this, this other one uh, is this uh, kind of obscure little known show that no one ever watched. Tell us about that one. 
Some, some uh, kind yeah. of medie- so, medieval fantasy or something? Yeah, so uh, Game of Thrones on HBO has uh, <laughs> been known to be little known and not right. have any serious, just dedicated followers willing to It's an up-and-cover right here, yeah. Exactly, Dragon, yeah. Dragons and shit. Yeah, high growth, <laughs> high growth right now. But uh, I'll check no, it out. Uh, I guess I'll check that out someday. Yeah. I would say both of those shows um, are really enjoyable to watch, but half the time you're not exactly sure what's going on. Exactly. You're always, I can't tell you how many times I've rewinded or went back and rewatched and just completely had my mind blown by something. Okay. That's good to know. Cause so probably for both of these, if I end up watching them, there's going to be a lot of like, okay, let me go back and try to re reprocess what just yes. happened there because yeah. yeah, that, that list of those, uh, those great shows that I have yet to get around to just seems to get longer uh, every month. <laughs> All right. So wait, I want to, can we do a cross comparison? Uh, do you, Hey Garrett, do you watch love Island? No. <laughs> hey, no, that's false. That's false. He's watched it a couple of times with me. I've watched like a glimpse of it. Like everyone so similar to my, similar to my uncle Kevin. <laughs> yeah. So there's, it sounds like there's moments where there's maybe something happening on the screen that you yeah. just, kind of happen to want to look at i get i exactly. kind of get your vibe yeah yeah, yeah okay. lots, of, very, lots of young, young beautiful women on there yeah sure. yes. exactly you guys and are, uh okay. and uh regan how about game of thrones and billions i have not watched either okay so we get we but i want to get into game of thrones because i need a new show to watch yeah well that's, oh, that's a that's a commitment it's a commitment maybe you can watch it with kevin yeah well, we we share a lot of subscriptions, so I'm sure we can just you know text the password here or there. Exactly. <laughs> Off we go. Okay, so let's go back to music for one sec because uh, you know I'm I'm kind of the the nostalgia guy on this on this little podcast, and Garrett was kind enough to throw a couple in his his picks list. So Garrett, why don't you introduce the first one? Um, yeah. So the first one, uh, I believe we're going with Kanye West. Um, the album Graduation was one that was really laid the groundwork for I think a lot of my generation loving hip hop and falling in love with it. Hmm. Um, but moving on to ACDC, uh, something that Regan can share the same uh, philosophy that was not a kind of an option. It was more so uh, told this is what you're going to be lis- listening to. And uh, I can remember sitting in the back seat, rocking out, driving to core or ballast, um, listening to back in black. Um, you shook me all night long or shake a leg and stuff like that. And have a drink on me. And just kind of all these songs that are so, Famous or infamous, I guess you could say. So you're speaking uh, not only, of course, uh, you, you know my my appreciation for ACDC, but Jeff has has. Uh, I, I think Jeff, it's fair to say that uh, Back in Black was a pivotal record in your uh, growth experience as a teenager. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'd say the most pivotal. I uh, actually uh, had a skateboard accident in eighth grade. Broke my wrist and broke my jaw. I was in the hospital. Memory etched in my mind of my dad walking through the door, holding up the black ACDC Back in Black album, the record, the, the vinyl record, because I had asked for it. And I went home with my jaw wired shut and my uh, cast over my hand and dropped the needle on Hell's Bells, and my life was never the same. <laughs> That sounds like a one hell of a time. <laughs> it was, and that was <laughs> that was nineteen eighty. Yeah, <laughs> when the when the album came out, Garrett, you uh, your list also included, uh, much to my delight and and somewhat surprise, uh, a song by the Steve Miller Band. Tell us about that. Um, yeah, so something that I haven't really heard a lot about. Um, I believe it's in the movie Space Jam. If correct me if I'm wrong, I hadn't really heard much about the Steve Miller Band and. 
I was just kind of scrolling through, like trying to make, I believe I was trying to make a playlist for uh, Mother's Day or Mother's Weekend when the moms come down and I stumbled upon it and uh, fell in love with it. And it was like classic rock, but it kind of had like a little like bluesy sound to it, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. was that was very uh, um, relaxing and kind of rhythmic. rhythmic. Uh, I would say this is this is a song that's probably been played as much or more than any uh, in my entire catalog, and it goes back to being you know much younger than even you two. Uh, probably in the in the mid '70s, I was probably eight or nine years old when I heard this song, and uh, it's uh, I definitely agree with like the synthesizer kind of spacey sound. I do love that part of the song. So great artist okay so let's wrap it up Regan I, I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit uh, Garrett uh, much to my delight threw a couple of classic rock tunes uh, into his picks and I was I I have to say I was slightly uh, surprised that I didn't see any picks from you from Pat Benatar because uh, when you were you know maybe 10 years younger than you are now she was she was your favorite right oh we me, Michelle, and Christy, we all went to those concerts, and I loved them. Have you lost interest? I mean, I haven't lost interest, but I don't listen to them as much. Do you have a favorite by Pat Benatar? I don't even know if I remember her songs. Let's be real. I know the, one of my mom's favorite song was Love is a Battlefield. That's a good one. Yeah, I was going to say, she'll. my guess is for you, it'll probably come back around uh on your on your playlist at some point if it, if it had that big of an effect on you when you were young oh yeah i absolutely loved those concerts especially being like the youngest one in the crowd too that's pretty cool it was amazing we're wrapping it up we're just about out of time on this podcast garrett regan proud of you guys you did great and uh thanks for uh for uh, showing me the light here on some some stuff i can uh, start watching on tv and some new music i can listen to yeah thank you thanks guys God, thank you for having us. Well, there you have it, Kevin. We got the views of the younger set. I feel enlightened. I don't know about you, but uh, I, I think I think mission accomplished. You know, we were yeah. able to do stop doing what we normally do on this show, which is talk and just listen and uh, uh, you know get get some new perspective. Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually pretty impressed by the range of choices we got. Um, some new stuff I wasn't aware of. Some country stuff I'm not interested in. Really <laughs> sharp awareness of music that uh, is key to our childhood. It it, it definitely uh, gives you gives you a warm feeling, you know, when you you know that ACDC and Steve Miller Band and Sultans of Swing are still uh, are still having an effect. And that does it for our special Gen Z episode of The Pick. Music by Audionautics. Additional music by Harrison Lynham. Please follow us on Twitter at The Pickcast. Like us on Facebook at The Pickcast. And subscribe to our website, thepickcast.com, where you can also see all of the music played on each episode and the playlists and recommendation of all of today's guests. Look out for our next episode. Until then, I'm Jeff Payne. And I'm Kevin Toon. So long, everybody.